Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another pre-Thanksgiving football edition of the only podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at Believe Network. Today is, I don't know if it's coming out today, but today's Tuesday, November 21st. And guys, the holiday season is off and rolling. With the NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form, Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four, no. Bet Online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for almost any sport that's played, from MMA to international soccer. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. John, mm-hmm. four, we think? Maybe mm-hmm. or not? I think less. Hmm fewer so do go on uh no you first oh okay so we have found out through the grapevine as it were that four head coaches for four candidates for michigan state's head coaching search on the football field whoa um have made it to the second round of interviews from what we understand those names are Duke head coach Mike Elko, Oregon State head coach Jonathan Smith, Arizona head coach uh, (laughs) Jed Fish, and Toledo head coach Jason Candle. One thing you'll notice, well, one very important clarifier, that does not mean that that's, before you freak out, all of the candidates that Michigan State will talk to or has talked to. It also does not mean that one of those four will be Michigan State's next head coach. There are plenty of other names out there, given that the season's still going on, mercifully over after one more week for the regular season. Uh, that's when things typically will heat up. I mean, coaches are, you know, a little bit uh, sometimes cautious with uh, interviewing during the season. But apparently those four men are not. John, mm-hmm. your take. <clears throat> I think we're in a good spot with at least three of them. Uh not going to hate on who we're going for. Um, I think you have to give Jason Candle a look. And then once you give him that look, you realize there are probably better, even better candidates than him. He's going to be a head coach at the Power Five level mm-hmm. soon. I don't think it'll be at Michigan State. And that's okay. Uh, the other three, Jen Fish kind of out of nowhere. Did you know Arizona can win the Pac-12? Yeah. They can win it. Yeah. Like, they have to, two things have to happen. They have to win this weekend. Oregon State, Jonathan Smith, has to beat Oregon. And then they will qualify to play Washington in the Pac-12 championship. So, like, that's not that crazy of a chain of events. So you got Jed Fish, Jonathan Smith, who we know has brought a program from the depths of hell to the top 15 team, which is impossible in Corvallis, Oregon. Talk about a difficult job. And then 
none other than Mike Elko doing the similar things for Duke football. Uh, yeah. With with no again no talent. So I don't think you can go wrong with three of these guys. And as you mentioned, this doesn't mean my guy Lane Kiffin isn't isn't somewhere on the board. But uh, but uh, I think you're gonna. It's a good that's a good crop. That's a good group. Yeah, I think the common themes here are things that we've hinted slash not hinted, just blatantly talked about uh, before. All four of those men that we know are on their second round of interviews, head coaches at programs. We've always said kind of from the beginning, don't expect to see a lot of, if any, coordinators get interviewed. Given what you're taking over, you need someone who's done it before. Um, The second thing you'll notice is, again, you name those programs, Oregon State, Arizona, Duke, and Toledo. Toledo kind of off, you know, because it's group of five, we'll put that off to the side. Um, The other three, historically three of the worst college football programs on average year in and year out. That, you know, not to say they don't come from, uh, actually, really only Jed Fish has the advantage of coming from and, and coaching in a place where you could consider a football hotbed. Arizona has some very good uh, high school football in, in its state, but Oregon and North Carolina, not exactly hotbeds. And yet these guys have built through their recruiting classes. Uh, Elko specifically has done a great job through the portal. Jonathan Smith has also done a great job through the portal. Fish has used it, but really his success has come by getting kind of unprecedented recruiting classes. Uh, I might be botching his name, but Tetaroya McMillan, they have a five-star sophomore wide receiver who I think maybe he's a freshman who's again just should be out of their league from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, Fish went and got him, um, and Noah Fifita, who's a freshman quarterback, came in totally, you know, unseasoned and has continued to win games for them despite their starter getting injured. So, just you can see why these are attractive names for Michigan State. If there are red flags with each of them. Elko, you get a little nervous that he might look at this as a stepping stone, which is a dangerous precedent to set if you're Michigan State, uh, given where you'll be in kind of the hierarchy of the new Big Ten. It, you know, that's not an ideal situation. Flip side of that, if he gets to jump, it means he did something right. Can't be too mad at that. Jonathan Smith, he's an Oregon State alum. He's a 100% West Coast his entire career. With the portal and NIL and the resources Michigan State will have, not as big a deal, especially with the new look Big Ten playing games in Oregon, probably every three or four years and, and playing plenty on the West Coast. Not a big, not as the limiting factor it once was, but listen, to pry him away from his alma mater, even if they're headed to the Mountain West, is no small task. And then finally, with Fish, he has a lot of NFL connections. And there have been rumors all kind of consistently with him that he might look to go back to the NFL someday. Um, sure. Again, if he's able to do that, it means he was successful. So kind of the same boat as Elko. And then Candle, uh, he's never coached at the, the Power 5 level. He's always been group of five. That's that's kind of it right there. So yeah. those, are, those are your red flags. Yeah. I think uh, two other quick things to point out. Fish and Elko are doing this at basketball schools. I know Michigan State would consider them so it wants to be a football school. I think, you know, Tom Izzo has built a program that you could identify Michigan State as a basketball school, regardless of how we are perceiving it. Knowing how to operate um, when basketball is such a priority at the school is something mm-hmm. it's worth considering. And and not it's it's not easy 
by the way. Like, so it, with experience, doing that is, is always going to be a help. Um, but we know how collaborative Tom is. It's not as if, like, this is a Coach Cal situation at Kentucky or, or something. Right. But, but I think the point remains. It's it's an int- one more feather in the cap, you know, for them to talk about in an interview. Yep. So, yeah, we like where we're, we're at. I think it, one thing I want to quick call out, um, there's just, a, like, a, there's a faction, I think, of our fan base that desperately wants, um, you know, the best, right? And and that's cool. And I think we all want the best. But the f- way that faction is interested in doing it is via, you know, Urban Meyer, who m- to date, you know, I'm not quite sure if there's any interest. Um, it's cool. I'm not saying you can't be excited about that, but but to say that anyone but getting him is a failure is kind of hard for me to swallow because he's not coaching anywhere. You know, like you're trying to pry someone from retirement and if they don't want to, they don't want to. No matter how much bag you throw at them and allegedly Michigan State did do the due diligence, did reach out, allegedly did throw a bag, you know, put together all the, the package resource. What do you need? What would you want? And, you know, if the answer is no, like they just don't want to go to the dance with you. Like that's it. doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean Michigan State is a failure. It doesn't mean Michigan State can't win football games in the future with a great head coach. I just I want to separate the f- idea that if you don't get Urban Meyer, then the coaching search is a failure because – it's just not true. So what do you think? Yeah, I think it's silly to yeah, it's it's just silly. And and people want to go about it by throwing little hissy fits on the Internet and saying anything less than this is a failure. All you're doing is damaging your own a your own personal credibility and b you're you're hurting your school. You're hurting your school. Lance Leopold had to answer a question in a press conference because a Michigan State affiliated blogger said he interviewed at Michigan State. Whether it's true or not, yep. doing that to legitimately interfere in a hiring process does nothing. It does nothing for anyone. Like it, it does nothing good beneficially across the board at all. So I would I would tell anybody that's, you know, listen, everybody can want whatever they want. If you want Urban Meyer, that's great. Like I want a gold-plated helicopter like uh, what you know it's it's just people need to de- detach from it i think i've kind of done like the full 360 right like i i at first i hated the idea then i kind of came around to it because it's like he's undeniably been a great coach his entire career now i'm all the way back where i started where it's like that is not i just don't think it's the right guy to lead and if Michigan State wants to throw the, I just think MSU kind of needs to realize who they are, which isn't a mediocre, mediocre program. It's a program that needs someone to invest in it the way they invest in them. And I think you saw what happened with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You saw the way that he left Florida State and ultimately Ohio State. Like, Urban's a great coach. Florida. But yeah. Yeah. What did I say? Florida State. Florida State. I think. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to be on the wrong side of that internet. I, no. Forgive me. Um, but it, point stands. The guy, to expect him to stick around for more than four or five years, albeit they could be phenomenal years, is, yeah, it's just, uh, 
not really I don't think it's grounded in reality any more than there's been a conversation. And I think the the worst part of it all is you're poisoning the well against whomever actually gets hired. Like now, kind of no matter what, for a portion of fans, whoever gets hired, no matter what, will be seen as a disappointment because it's not Urban Meyer. And that's not, again, that's not good for anybody. It doesn't set the right tone. With recruits, it doesn't set the right tone. With transfers, it doesn't set the right tone. And with the fan base, it doesn't set the right tone. So again, you're not doing anything that benefits anybody by continuing to pump Urban Meyer uh, when it's pretty obvious that it's not going to happen. Well, if it does, great. Um, but you know, the way we go about wanting him uh, and making that happen could also be much different. So um, regardless, we're in, I think Michigan State is in a good space. You know, I would say maybe even by next week, MSU could have a new coach. You know, um, the end of the regular season is upon us. Uh, so those decisions will be made very quickly, you know, and, and these coaches that are available will have to choose. Are they going to coach in their bowl game, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it's right here. Um, but before we get there, Michigan State did play a football game against Indiana and won 24 to 21. Um, Austin, I'm going to tell you, anytime you can win, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Anytime you can beat a program who is in year seven of their rebuild, when you only have finished the game with 45 allegedly scholarship players um, and a dead staff, that is something that is awesome. That is a very good sign for your program. Like <laughs> you can yes, it is. that off in a away game, 45 players, that's a high school team. I mean, I don't know. You got some pretty good um highlights out of this one too so yeah i I think the end of the day a win is a win whatever that leads to i think what it crystallized for me once again is that the margins within the big 10 right now aside from the very very top and even there are very slim it is there is not much even with those other programs coming to the conference that's keeping this middle ground like it's waiting to be taken it's waiting for someone to step up and be like okay we're above average and to beat teams that are all kind of lumped into this mushy middle and it's not that big of a stretch at all to think that that could be michigan state moving into next year provided the offseason goes successfully uh i mean they're four and seven it's not a good football team but if you look back at the schedule there are plenty of games in there that in the future, the, the teams that they're losing to are not teams that maybe they will be losing to or they should be losing to. Or there's some of these games that just could flip back uh, the other way around. Now, again, perfect examples here. Rutgers, that game was a complete and total disaster away from, uh, you know, becoming a win. And I think you even look at, Iowa, like Iowa was going to win that. I think they already did win that mm-hmm. division and Michigan state really not very far from winning that game with some just like comprehensive leadership. I don't even think Minnesota was all that far from being a one game. So what I'm saying is these the, Michigan state's at four and seven, you say they go two and one in those games. You're sitting here at six and five, two of very, two of those three, very winnable. 
and all of a sudden you're already a bowl team. That's the state of the Big Ten below kind of Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. And really even I could make an argument coming from the guy who said Penn State could win the whole thing, wrong, uh, that below Michigan and Ohio State, it's kind of all up for grabs. I think Oregon coming in is obviously important. Washington coming coming in is important. Uh, those two teams have huge overhauls coming next offseason, this offseason. UCLA, eh, they, they're going to fire their head coach, and who knows where that's going to go. And then I'm forgetting a fourth team. And USC, you got it. US, yes, okay. So that's not as that's that one's tough. Uh, <laughs> USC is going to jump right into that upper echelon. Although they have to replace Caleb Williams. You're talking about Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix Jr. all not being back from those three teams. And then mm-hmm. the other team is going to fire their head coach. There's a lot. I'm just saying it's not impossible to think that if you hire the right guy and you do the right things this offseason. Michigan State is in conversation for that second to third tier within the Big Ten, which could be being one of the six best teams. Yeah, you're you're 100% right. I think it's right on the table. And I think the other encouraging thing is you just saw Michigan State win a game despite its coaches. Like, that's yes, indeed. That was, I just censored myself. That was horrible. Like, <laughs> I mean, horrible. It's it's egregious what I'm seeing out there, and it's it's like not even armchair quarterbacking. It's like asking simple questions like, why do you not have any way to convert a third and short or a fourth and short, a one yard? You have no concept of how to. You you've tried everything possible and you've run out of ideas, and yet you have Mangum who's averaging how many yards a carry, not taking the ball on those downs, and you're giving it to Nathan Carter instead. Just like, what are you doing? Like, even if the run fails, like you have the wrong personnel out there, you're running out a former uh, walk-on punter converted to a tight end. And bless him, you're asking him to run routes, like, on passing plays, instead of Malik Carr. Like, in, in what world? Is that the personnel? Like you, it's 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 unacceptable. It's just so easy to not do that and put the people in positions to succeed, and and we are simply are not. And again, still won the game, and I think that's the sign, right? It's like if you could put together just the medium level of competency. Like this is a team that lost at Iowa, a game they were winning a game um, lost at Rutgers, a game they were winning. Um, who else am I forgetting? They, they, they're right. That's two games right there that if you just well, simply, simply were <laughs> competent. You I could, mean, Minnesota, they weren't, they weren't, you know, out of, they were up six, nothing on Minnesota. They're only down four at the half. And then honestly going into the fourth quarter, they were only down four points. That's another, yep. that I think that's the point to walk away mm-hmm. from this season with. And this, you know, this whole thing is Michigan State's won two of their last three games mm-hmm. after losing six in a row, mm-hmm. after having a head coach get fired two games into three games into the season, like, and after blowing arguably three of the six games within that losing streak that they could slash should have won. The margins here are so slim. I'm just going to Again, so we can do the thought experiment. Here's another thing to really consider. They might even be 
less slim than we slimmer than we think because divisions are gone. Yep. Northwestern, Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota, Nebraska, Purdue, and Iowa, no longer will they be able to just cannibalize one another. Those are all Can't there for the anymore. taking. You cannot hide anymore. And guess what? You're doing a shitty job of hiding because you're all bad, even though you play each other. Like there's five of them that are between that have five or six wins. Somehow Iowa has been competent enough on defense to manage to win nine and then Purdue is still Purdue. So they're three and eight. Like you could make a very, very, very solid argument that the Big Ten East contains six of the seven best teams in or this year specifically five of the six best teams i won't even put michigan state in there in the big 10 in michigan ohio state penn state maryland rutgers michigan and, and you can't and, and iowa being the only other team that's in there you can't tell me that that can't flip next year with a good offseason and michigan state can't be right in the conversation at the top of that especially when they get to play you know more of the the lower tiers yeah. there so yeah i i actually see Again, th- this is when we kind of knew that snowball effect would start. We could see that positive momentum. So I don't think MSU is that far. Very excited to see who they hire so that we can maybe be competent once again. Um, shout out Montori Foster with like the coolest touchdown in a while and followed by Malik Carr. Coolest touchdown since the Montori Foster touchdown. Um, that was, if you're going to score, do it cool. But um, Agreed. But we got some, this is our favorite part, as we come down the stretch to talk about who's remaining uh, and, and the previewing, what's to come. Uh, did you catch the Georgia at Tennessee game? Because Tennessee scored on the first play. 75-yard uh, run, went up 7 nothing, and Georgia ran off, I think, 38 straight after that. So Yeah, uh, man. It, Jordan, Brock Bowers is back. Um, they're, they're a wagon again. Yeah. They're extremely good. They're going to be in the playoff, and it's very possible that they win it all again. They've been number one for a reason. Yeah, they rule. I mean, it's 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 fun to watch. Uh, Florida State takes down Northern Alabama. Northern Alabama was ahead, I think, thirteen to nothing in this one. And fun. That was, yeah, and uh, Jordan Travis uh, Heisman likely Heisman finalist quarterback for Florida State. His leg didn't do what it should do. It looked yeah. bad. Championship dreams are all but dashed for the Seminoles, but I don't know, man. Crazy things can happen. Tate Rotomaker, the floor oh, is yours. Uh, Played fairly well in this one once he came in. Listen, he's got plenty of weapons between Keon, Jaheim mm-hmm. Bell, Johnny Wilson. Got good line, good running backs. I hope that if Florida State manages to win the ACC and be undefeated, that the committee honors it and lets mm-hmm. them in, even though the quarterback is hurt, because it would be very unfair of them mm-hmm. to take that subjective stance and keep them out if they are undefeated. It's true. Um, but then you also have one lost Bama to consider. Uh, and this is true. Chattanooga 66 to 10. That said, you know, Bama beats, wins the SEC championship against Georgia. They're in no matter what. But it would be hard to keep Georgia out at that point. Um, Yeah, I don't think you're not keeping a one-loss Georgia and a one-loss Bama out. Those teams are both getting in. 
There's yep. no, there's no way around it. Bama's only loss would be to Tennessee to Texas, which is a really good loss. And then Georgia's would only be to Bama. So I cannot imagine keeping both of them out if they're both at one loss. I want everyone to sit down and prepare for the fact that Texas can win the Big 12 and Alabama could jump them. <clears throat> that was not like because they won the SEC. Yes. Like, that that is going to be tough. Um, it, it could come down to Texas and Texas got a real chance. Florida State if Florida State loses and Texas Tech man, or Texas manages to beat Texas Tech and then win the Big 12 championship game, which is going to be against one of Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Um, a, that's going to be an awesome game. B, Texas has every reason to say we should be getting into yes. this yeah, playoff. Of, of course they do. Yeah. I mean, their only loss was an incredible game against Oklahoma, a rivalry game, neutral site. You know, like, it, it, I'm. This is one of the more exciting down the stretch they come we've had in a while because there really oh, are yeah. nine teams, even Louisville. Uh, sure. Uh, keeping going, Oregon, um, 49, Arizona State, 13. Uh, Bo Nix has six touchdowns. <laughs> Late Heisman push for a lot of people here. Um, you're seeing it Man. all. And the other piece, dude, is like these teams – most of them that are, you know, in a position to make the playoff, they are what looks to be firing on all cylinders right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, Oregon, again, Bonix has 35 touchdowns and two interceptions. Like, <laughs> like if it's not for Jalen Daniels, who is unbelievable, yeah. Bonix, Bonix will be in New York. He should be in New York. He deserves it. I'm the most surprised person in the land. But, yeah, he... He deserves it. They've got a big matchup against Oregon State here. And, like, Oregon has no room for error, right? Like, they have to win that yeah. game and hope to get to the Pac-12 championship where no, – um, If they win. Which, yeah, where uh, they will definitely face Washington. Washington's already in. They have the Apple Cup this week against Washington State, which right. we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Washington held up their end of the bargain, um, winning t- – Beating Oregon State at Oregon State, 22 to 20. Uh, to me, you know, Washington deserves to be a top four team at this point. They they absolutely oh, yeah. need to jump. I would argue both Michigan and Florida State. Um, they just have too many good wins now. Uh, and the resume is loaded. The resume is absolutely loaded. Yeah, and by the way, not that it matters because you know Michigan has the opportunity this week to to salt for that but in the last one if we didn't talk about texas um 26 iowa state 16 um like you said there there's there are these teams that are just lurking you know, they no one has fallen off no one has had the ope game and uh maybe this week is the ope game what's yeah what's exciting is that this will all like sort itself out in a very fun way like Mm-hmm. Georgia and Bama are going to play. Florida State and Louisville are going to play. Texas mm-hmm. is uh, – they're not necessarily playing to get in, but, like, they have a fairly clear path. Oregon and Washington are, in all likelihood, going to play each other. Yeah. And, like, it's a mini – some mini playoff games that are coming. And, like, yeah. Yeah, if I'm Texas right now, like, yeah, I'm seven. But the path, the path to getting to four is, like – Right there. 
right there. It's right there. Uh, we'll keep it going. Michigan traveled to Maryland, was a little distracted, uh, took down the Terps 31 to 24. Um, I think they were distracted because there were some new interesting things that developed in sign gate as we were introduced yeah. to a new character um uncle t who yes <laughs> it's gonna go that nail down in infamy um yeah. perhaps funding the lone wolf who is now no longer alone but a part of a wolf pack in counter mm-hmm. it's, it's all falling apart as chris partridge linebackers coach was immediately let go Something you normally do during the middle of an undefeated season. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're innocent. Mm-hmm. Too, totally super normal. And nothing to see here. Uh, and this Michigan thing is just getting out of control, dude. They, they, yeah. they, have, they have lost. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think a couple, couple of things, without spending too much time on this. They, this is probably the best investigating job the NCAA has ever done. And it's because they didn't do anything. Everybody just brought this to them. Couldn't be easier. You and I could put this exact case together and it would be locked. Neither of us are attorneys, to be very clear. And we could still do this job. Um, It's so obvious as to what's happening. And so the off the field, I think it's very funny and just like so Michigan that they're like, oh, we accept the suspension. It's like, hey, this isn't your choice. You don't get to accept a suspension. You are suspended. There's no rebuttal to that. Like mm-hmm. you could, you tried to go to court, it got thrown out, and now you're acting like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna take it with grace. It's like, shut up. Like you guys have done everything you can to try yeah. and lie and cheat your way back in as a response to cheating, and you failed, and now you're accepting the suspension. Like, yeah, put it the- down. Like, stop. It's unbelievable, man. And mm-hmm. and I think my, sorry, go ahead. I'm just laughing, like, dude. If you if you get fired, you don't like say like I've accepted. Yeah, no. Of course, it's not. It's not your. No, it's not even. Oh, and of course, it's it is not your choice. There is no. Your opinion doesn't matter. It, like nobody cares. It's not up to you. So go sit down. And, and so I think that's a very funny. Um, B. I have to say that I am enjoying how the sanctimonious holier than thou. Michigan against the world thing is being exposed to the world because we've felt this way forever that we hate these guys because they're, you know, snub it, you know, thumbing their noses at you and cheating the entire time, it turns out. And now everybody's sick of it. Everybody's so sick of it. And it's really, really great to watch to the point that I think if they lose this upcoming weekend, people are like really going to rejoice. Now to the on the field portion. Yeah. If you look at the last three games, so Harbaugh is suspended. Or I, I think he coached the Purdue game, maybe. Like Stallions was suspended. Harbaugh coached the Purdue game. So Stallions had definitely done his prep for the Purdue yep. game. J.J. McCarthy goes out, throws for 335 yards. They run a bad Purdue team off the field. Also, they're the worst team in the conference, but go on. Exactly. Um, and then the next week, they play Penn State. Mm-hmm. And maybe Connor didn't get around to the prep for the Penn State game. J.J. Mm-hmm. McCarthy goes seven of eight for 60, six zero yards, and they barely they barely escape a game that if that was so bad from Penn State that they fired their offensive coordinator the next day. Like mm-hmm. again, a competent team, a competent offense wins that game, 
And then they go to Maryland where they win, but they only win by seven against a bad, a very Maryland, Maryland team. JJ November, Maryland. November, wow. Maryland. And Maryland, uh, J.J. McCarthy goes 12 of 23 for 141 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. It's almost like he doesn't have the answers to the test anymore. Mm. And all of a sudden, defenses are harder to read. And it's almost like the the defense doesn't know which way the running backs are going to go every single time. And all of a sudden, teams are putting up points on them. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe it? Like the it. It is so obvious to me through two games that small sample size, that it, it is a massive impact. As we look towards next week, and we'll talk about that one here shortly, like if that's happening against these bum offenses, like I don't know what you think is going to happen against Marvin Harrison. Like I, I don't, and do you think you're going to beat Ohio State, which is the best defense you'll have seen by a by a step above Penn State, who gave them all sorts of problems and gave them a short and, and despite them having a short field basically every time on the floor on the field. I don't know how you think this is gonna go well, personally. Man, I hadn't I hadn't think I've heard anyone feel or or feel so confidently about Ohio State, but um, you know, reasons to believe in them as they beat Minnesota 37 to 3. Uh you know, everyone that is good beats Minnesota by a lot, not Michigan State, apparently. <laughs> but they are rolling. Yes. Ohio State is where they need to be. Uh, the def- the defense specifically is where it needs to be and hasn't been for a couple of years. So, you know, like you said, they're hitting their stride. Now we find out if, is that good enough to win on the road um, against Yeah. Michigan, who wants to be America's team and simultaneously oh my is, God. Also, is also Michigan versus everybody. So I'm kind of confused on there's on the alignment there, but yeah, well, it's whatever sounds good in the moment. But I think everybody wants to give this Ohio State offense, and you know, it it's a problem of their own making because you're comparing <laughs> it to the C.J. Stroud offenses of the last two years, like. It's not going to look as good as that. You know, Stroud is now in the NFL tearing it up through for, you know, his his last year he went for 3,700 yards, completed 66% of his passes, 41 touchdowns, six picks. So when you compare that to uh, – when you compare that to the 2023 numbers for Kyle McCord, which are, you know, almost 3,000 yards, 66% completion percentage, 22 touchdowns, and four picks – it's not as big. It's obviously it's not as explosive. But then you just look at Kyle McCord's numbers in a vacuum. That's a pretty damn good line for a quarterback. No. And and I think people are looking at Ohio State and expecting this big explosive offense because again, that's what they've been. This team's just different. They're winning a little bit more traditionally for Ohio State, quite frankly, which is in, in a lights out defense and uh, you know efficient quarterbacking that kind of in an offense that runs the ball fairly, you know, okay, and throws the ball to the best receiver in college football, maybe the best player in college football in Marvin Harrison Jr., who already has over almost 1,100 yards receiving and 13 touchdowns. I, I just don't know how Michigan matches up with that, like, consistently. Well, you know, they're going to have to run the ball. 
and it's what they do and they're going to have to break through um it, because i think ohio state's going to try and say jj mccarthy you're going to have to beat us 100 percent. and you know tbd if you will uh i'm gonna go really quickly uh, purdue lost at northwestern northwestern's coach um we have to learn his name now david mm-hmm. Braun, i believe is the name he is um, going to win big 10 coach of the year probably should and uh i think he's getting northwestern bowling um he's got hired as the head coach now yeah yeah um penn state takes down Rutgers 27 to 6 um we're gonna have a discussion about james franklin in a minute um wisconsin beat nebraska 24 to 17 i i got nothing to say that was i do not care yeah nothing for me however iowa beats illinois 15 to 13 the under delivers again iowa is the worst nine and two team of all time the dream keeps going i love it chase the dragon keep lowering the score keep lowering the over under oh we will we'll get to it um let's let's do uh big 10 first and then nationally um speaking of in uh low point totals that game um they this week they play at nebraska on friday um the over under set 26 and a half that's the lowest ever obviously took it nebraska is favored in a game against where iowa is nine and two and has already clinched the division that's how bad the big 10 west is yes that is a joke rest in piss rest (laughs) all right Indiana at Purdue, Purdue a two and a half point favorite. I looked out at Tom Allen's um, buyout, mm-hmm. 20 million bucks. Um, they can't afford that. So nah. he's going to be there until through next year. Leo. Leo, baby. Leo. Uh, <laughs> Northwestern at Illinois. Illinois, this is your squad. They need the win to go bowling. What do you think? Uh, I think they can get it done. I think they can get it done. I want them to go bowling. I don't know why I keep rooting for Illinois, but uh, I think it's because this is the last time they'll be in this position for many years once mm-hmm. the Big Ten expands. Maryland at Rutgers. Both teams are six and five. That's about all I got. Yeah. Come on, Rutgers. Yeah, Shiano's doing the thing. I'm yeah. down him. Do it for the Paisan. Uh, Wisconsin at Minnesota. Minnesota doesn't care enough about football to fire P.J. Fleck but this is a dead program. They need to win to go bowling. I don't know if they get it done. I mean, until they, if they can't realize that Athan Kaliakmanis was going to be a problem coming into the season, I don't know how you can ever trust PJ's eye for talent ever again. Well, with the portal available, you've already seen like Purdue got Hudson card to come. It's not hard to find like a capable quarterback. They chose against it. So whatever all right nationally friday we get games feast week texas tech at texas austin i'm calling my shot this is an ope game this would be a very texas game to lose i have to say yeah 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 just feel you can just feel it can't you yeah i kind kind of can well i could certainly see where you're coming from i'm hoping texas wins just because I want to see some other colors and have some other players in the game until the sure. end, when sure. it'll definitely be Georgia and Bama and two other teams, and Ohio State and then someone else. Uh, but I want to keep the dream alive for as long as we can. Yeah, that plucky upstart Texas needs more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oregon State at Oregon. Um, I am not putting Oregon on Ope Watch here, though. No, I don't think so. I think Oregon's going to get this done. But again, this would also be a very Oregon game 
to lose. I don't think they will, but yeah. it would it would be. Oh man, I want them to win. I want to see an Oregon Washington game uh, Pac-12 championship for for all the marbles. So we get two playoff implicating games on Friday, which is awesome. Um, the next day, Saturday, we got Kentucky at Louisville. Had to had the cards. Um, how mad is Purdue right now? Oh boy, <laughs> Brom puts. What? Go ahead. Yeah, it just makes you realize maybe Brian Brom's a pretty good co- or uh, Jeff Brom, uh, Jeff Brom. not Brian Brom. I got Louisville on the brain. Uh, Jeff Brom be, yeah. be, being the head, like he made Purdue respectable for a while there. What's seeing the what we're seeing change? out of them this year, yeah, seeing what they're seeing out of them this year makes it. Uh, maybe he's a pretty good coach. Maybe A and M hires him. Mm, that's fun. Alabama at Auburn. Alabama is uh-huh. a 14 and a half point favorite. That seems very low. Um, we glazed over the fact that Auburn lost at home by, I think, 24 to New Mexico State last week. Jerry Kill. Uh, he's got Whoa. Hugh Freeze in a torture chamber right now. Yeah, but you know what? At least. Nice at Auburn. They're way nicer at Auburn. I don't know if you knew that, but I've heard that the, the people there are just way nicer. So nice enough to probably lose by 65 to Alabama. Dude, um, anything can happen, but I think Alabama is rolling right now. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the Apple Cup, Washington State at Washington. I, I mentioned this, I think, last week. Huskies have won now seven games in or by 10 points or fewer. TCU did this 10 total times last year and eight in the regular season. I feel like this is one more 10 point or fewer game for the Huskies and they've got a lot of TCU vibes. They, they really do like the, this, I will say, I think they're a more talented team than TCU was last year. Like the top, the top level skill talent and the quarterback Mm -hmm. play is definitely higher, but they've been walking a tightrope all year. And, Mm -hmm. uh, hope they keep going for at least another week. Again, I want that Washington, Oregon showdown for a, for a spot in the playoff. That'd be great. Uh, Florida State at Florida. Um, first start in the swamp. That's tough. And Florida's trying to become bowl eligible with this one. This feels very ope to me. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, yes. First start in the swamp. Bowl eligibility on the line. That, you know, CFP on the line. There's a lot uh, going against Florida State. On the other hand, starting quarterback for Florida is Graham Mertz, mm-hmm. which could counteract all of the negative things uh, that Florida has, Florida State has going against it. But I mean, this one so that at least they can get to that playoff play-in against Louisville. But uh, yeah, tough, tough end to the season here for Florida State losing their quarterback. Um, finally, Georgia travels to take the Rambling Wreck, Georgia Tech, twenty-three-point uh, favorites. Georgia's in cruise control right now, man. Yeah, I mean they're an absolute wagon getting in. But the thing for them is even basically if they win this game, they're in the playoff. Kind of, kind of no matter in my estimation. If mm-hmm. they lose it, they can still be in the playoff because all they got to do is beat Bama. Yeah. Because they wouldn't. Yeah, they would still get in with one loss only to to Bama. Yep. So this is this is essentially their they can punch wow. the ticket this weekend. I think. That's right. They're going to be fully focused. And finally, um, Ohio State travels to Michigan. We've already talked about it a bit. Uh, Michigan, a three and a half point favorite. 
we it sounds like you're leaning pretty heavily Ohio State money line. Yeah, I am personally. Um, I just I don't think Michigan has faced again. This is not a vintage Ohio State team by any stretch of the imagination, but it is still an 11 and 0 Ohio State team that is attempting to rectify what they see as a situation where they've been cheated out of two wins the last mm. two years that the mm. only they've been defeated is because Connor Stallions was sitting in the stands at like eight games a year. And mm. that's why they're, you know, whatever it was a 13 year streak or whatever it was broke. And it kept them from accomplishing the things that they believe they should have accomplished. Hard to disagree when you see how good they were the last couple of years and how Michigan just hasn't quite been the same since we figured it out. Uh, so I think the, the, the other part is no one's talking about Ohio state, despite the, mm-hmm. the CFP, this entire got against Notre Dame and Penn state, which Michigan also has a win against Penn state, but a signature win against on the road at Notre Dame. Um, mm-hmm. all they've done is gotten things going here the last weeks. I think between motivation, between lack of outside noise, between feeling wronged and having a genuinely, even if they were both powers, uh, it's a bad The mission is to run the ball, and you don't run the ball on Ohio State. It doesn't yeah. happen. Uh, I mean, if you look at the best running attack that Ohio State's probably played, it's probably Penn State, which, I mean, take that for what it's worth. But mm-hmm. Nicholas Singleton only had 48 yards on the ground. Katron Allen only had 26. They had 49 total yards as a team uh, against Ohio State. Notre Dame, this was a lot earlier in the season. Audric Estime had 70 yards on the ground yep. on 14 carries. Like, you know, decent, but nothing explosive. This Ohio State defense is really, really really good and their offense with Emeka Egbuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. is you know continue to put up 30 plus points in this game I think for me it's not even about their offense I think Ohio State's going to get their points I think Michigan's defense has looked quite uh it's looked vulnerable the last couple weeks they're going to be playing against a motivated and better team than they've played against all season and I think, but for me, it's not even that. It's, I don't know Michigan scoring. I really don't. This Ohio State defense is very, very good. And like you said, it's going to be on J.J. McCarthy to win this game. And I just, I don't know if he's got, I don't know if he's got it, man. I don't think he's got the juice like that. I don't think, he, I think he's, I just don't think he's ready for it. Just do not think he's ready for it. And that offense isn't going to be able to bail him out. That running game won't be able to bail him out against Ohio State the way that it usually can. So I'm I'm strongly thinking Ohio State's going to win this game. If Michigan wins, though, they're right back in the talk for the national championship. I still don't think they beat Bama or Georgia on a neutral field, but anybody else, if they can win this game, they can beat anybody. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Uh, one prediction I'll make, this is going to be the most watched game in a very long time. So uh, should be a good one. But before that, on a Friday night, Michigan State and Penn State play for the greatest trophy of them all, the land grant trophy. Penn State, a 20 point favorite, um, over under about a 42 and a half. Michigan State, honestly, I don't know who's going to play. Um, <laughs> certainly not as talented as Penn State, but playing at Ford Field indoors, let Kate and Cook, um, who knows, 
um, what can happen. What's Penn State playing for? You know, they showed up last week. Yeah. But um, what do we? Here's the question, Austin. What do we do with James Franklin if we are Penn State? What do you do, James? J- you have the golden handcuffs on if you're Penn State. Yeah. Yep. Because James Franklin is a good enough coach to win nine games a year. It's all he's done is he. A Penn State fans should be because they. It's not impossible that they bow Pelini themselves when they get rid of oh James yep. Franklin. Mm-hmm. I, the guy won 11 games in the Rose Bowl last year, had a down 2021. Um, I'm just going to keep going back through the seasons. 2020, COVID year doesn't count. Go back to 2019, 11 games, uh, won the Cotton Bowl. 2018, nine wins, uh, lost in the Citrus Bowl. 2017, 11 wins, won the Fiesta Bowl. 2016, I don't even know when he was finally there. 2016, won 11 games, lost in the Rose Bowl. The point here is that James Franklin has had a unequivocally great tenure as Penn State's head coach. There is no arguing that. Absolutely none. Worst case scenario for him here, he wins another nine games. Mm -hmm. Go ask Nebraska how they would feel if they had a coach and could go back and do it all over again and said, ah, no, instead of winning nine games, we're going to try to do better. And instead, it's just been a dumpster fire ever since. If Penn State does what people want them to do, they could very easily end up in the same place. And whoever you hire, no matter the resources, no matter the fan base, no matter the recruiting, like opportunity and, and market that you're in, it it can go sideways a lot, just as easily, if not easier, than it can go correct. So I, I think James Franklin is unquestionably a great recruiter, unquestionably a very good coach. Will he ever beat Michigan and Ohio State? I don't know. I well, think it's a, I think at a certain point, I, if he loses this game, he officially goes into next year on the hot, hot seat. But I think if he can win this game, which he should, and then yeah. win their bowl game, he's sitting on another 11 and two record. But then <laughs> next year, I think this conversation comes up again and again. So I, I don't know how many more years they'll be able to, t- to take it, especially if they have a putrid offense again. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's, he, as you mentioned, um, earlier with Rutgers and Maryland, they're out of the division. So that includes Penn State too. And um, I would keep it, I'm going to be keeping track of how Maryland, Rutgers, Penn State, MSU, and Indiana do um, mm-hmm. now that they are out of those divisions. I think when you have to play those three teams, Penn State, those two teams, Michigan and Ohio State, it takes a toll on you. Um, mm-hmm. Where So when you do finally get out of the the gauntlet you know things could get a little easier next year they get um they're at usc at wisconsin ohio state at home washington at home and those are the big ones um it's it's doable um i mean body for body they're going to be right there with any of those teams the the issue there is not talent the issue (laughs) there on both sides of the ball no matter how bad their offense has been it's not a talent issue it's a it's a coaching issue and it's a game management issue i think that's where the i think that's where people would say it's a franklin issue and i can't necessarily blame him for feeling that way but just know the grass isn't always green well hopefully we get to see um gosh 
uh, as many players that are capable and interested in playing as possible on Friday evening. The season will come to a merciful end. It could go out with a bang. A win against Penn State, I think, would put a positive um, vibe on the program altogether. Five and seven is not something anyone would be happy with, but all things considered, <laughs> the Mel Tucker uh, situation at the beginning of the year feels like years ago. Uh, it sure does. Five and seven could be looked at as winning three of your last four. That's that's Mo, and um, you can really get excited about um, the off season, which we're all desperately waiting to get to. So, what do you think will happen? And as before, we wrap up. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough game. Uh, I don't think the question is whether MSU's defense can hang. I think that they should be able to keep Penn State, just how bad and out of sorts they've been the last few weeks, to a reasonable number of points, somewhere in the 20s. My question is how the hell are they going to score that many points? And yeah. we haven't seen enough from Kate and Hauser to, to expect anything, you know, significant uh, in terms of like an explosive breakout. I just don't know if the offensive line is going to be ha- able to handle what Penn State's going to throw at it. Um, all they can hope for is to come out and be like a more motivated team. That's like one last ride for our guy energy mm-hmm. and at home and all of that. But, you know, I, still Penn State, still a really talented squad. So, I mean, listen, fingers crossed, like you said, if they won this game, I still don't think, I mean, Harlem Burnett's not getting the job, but you can walk away from this season, especially the second half, probably with your head held high and probably with a little more buy-in from more players on the roster saying like, hey, maybe this is a place I really want to stick around and be a part of something. So, you know, we'll see, but uh, fingers are certainly crossed. And it's been a bad season. We're very glad it's over, but it is still sad because it's another year of football coming to an end, and you, you can't just wish away football. It's football is, is football is finite. We need to appreciate every game we have. So hopefully we can get a dub and uh, make it a good end to the year. Love it. Sounds good to me. All right, guys. As always, thanks for sticking with us. For John, this has been Austin. We'll catch you next week. See you.